Everyone welcome our new sponsor, Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the premier source for legal THC and mushroom products. The team at Diet Smoke sent us gummies to enjoy while we horror and chill. My favorite are the Great Sleep Gummies. And mine are the Cherry Lime Gummies. With a wide range of strengths and doses, Diet Smoke promises to find the perfect product for you. Whether you want something strong to unwind, a boost of energy to keep you going, or a lighter option for a mellow high, Diet Smoke has you covered. They understand everyone is different, which is why they're dedicated to helping you find the perfect product. Their customer service team will be by your side helping you along the way. Diet Smoke has cannabis gummies, shots, and vapes, each one made to deliver the best balance of flavor and effect. So don't settle for less and join the Diet Smoke community and discover the buzz for you. Visit dietsmoke.com today and use code DFWTO for 50% off any item and enjoy your journey to cannabis bliss. Diet Smoke, your partner in finding the perfect THC and mushroom products. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DFWTO. And remember guys, don't fuck with the original. Now let's get into the episode. And welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. All right, guys. So, sorry about last week. I we are was back. a little bit under the weather, just wasn't feeling the greatest, and genuinely just fell asleep at like 7 o'clock. Um, but we're back this it week. It happens, guys. And we all have to take a little breaky-poo every now and again. Sometimes you need a breaky-poo. But this week we are back with our episode about the Conjuring House. Nope. <laughs> I'm so we were sorry. talking about that earlier. We were so that's we were talking about that earlier about the haunting in Connecticut house. And both in film. Connecticut, so Can, see, there's connections. You're fine. They there both start with C. You know, both have Ed and Lorraine Warren ties. Exactly. So we were there. We, we were, were almost there. I was. We so were close. in the vicinity. So, ballpark. You get a pass. <laughs> but yeah, so um, if you guys haven't seen the film that was made in 2009, which I'm sure most all, if you're a horror fan, I highly doubt you have not seen this movie. Um, the Haunting in Connecticut. That it has, is currently streaming on Netflix, in case anybody would like to rewatch or watch for the first time. 
This was a rewatch for me. Same. Actually, twice now, because I watched it again today. I didn't hate it as much the second time. No. And you know what? I think, I think having... I really liked this movie watching it again because it had actually been a while. And I think even with, you know, I even found myself getting teary eyed a few times because I think with the emotional aspects of it, especially if anybody, which I've been personally affected, Casper has, anybody out there has been personally affected, whether, you know, it's a, a child, a parent, a grandparent, not uncle, whatever, that has battled cancer and, um, you know, I think it, it was the particular scene when she was praying with the rosary and she was like, you can't have him. You can't have yeah. him. So I got, I mean, I did, I got choked up and I, I think anybody that's had to uh, deal with cancer on any level mm -hmm. and also having to one-on-one -on -one, where I had this experience, having to one-on-one -on -one take care of someone with cancer. It It's Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's one of the hardest things to go through. It's it's very I think difficult. Watching it with a different perspective as number one, knowing the real story. And number two, having knowing the real actually story. knowing who Ed yeah. Lorraine are. And number three, having such a different taste in horror movies now than I used to. Yeah. Because when I first I'm not gonna lie, when I first saw that, that was when I was starting to get in and a lot movies. of and I and, think this movie was very divisive with people. And yeah. I think now, you know, you and I see such a deep meaning with mm -hmm. movies and especially with horror movies. So typically ones that people hate because we can look in Midsummer. Halloween ends. <laughs> Looking at you. Halloween ends. Um, My God. Absolutely, yes. Everybody missed the mark on that. Everybody missed it. Everybody literally missed the in partly in their defense i think halloween kills hyped up people a little too fucking hard. i get where they're coming because halloween kills <laughs> fucking, yeah. Yeah. halloween like, kills had the best soundtrack you fucking it was it was amazing i mean if you if if that was what you fucking wanted i mean you fucking i got feel it like in that movie but i, I think can, i think that's what happened i think people that are very surface level with their horror especially slashers kills hyped them to the umpteenth degree so i think it had me coming too. coming in with ends and having it being this very deep emotional philosophical i think people are like what the fuck i also the first time i saw it was like what the fuck i was sort of I like huh was, and then I was when like i, I to, don't like this. i had to and sit then, in it i yeah. had to sit deep in it and i had to look for a at, while i had to look at the whole entire perspective yep. of of michael of all of, of it michael as an entity of post-traumatic stress uh just everything mm -hmm. and i and i really think that people yeah people miss the mark hard with that but i will like i will say i will in their defense kills really hyped people up i feel like but it was so good i, I feel mean, like horror just, is taking that direction though taking taking a direction in more of the deep um psychological real meanings of horror where it's not just surface level anymore and i'll tell you right now talking with john shout out to john uh iceberg of final summer friend to the show we love him cannot wait to have him back on cannot wait to see final summer too 
talking with him and seeing that, please, and guys, Tubi and Amazon Prime, please, please, please support Final Summer. I love that movie so much. I can't say enough about it. I love it so much. And talking to John and in person and the interview and like really getting deep into the PTSD and our shared experiences personally and, and all that he put in that movie and immediately recognizing the panic attacks that I've had on myself and just everything. People, people want that now. We need a deep, you want a deeper meaning in your horror. Even if it's a slasher, you can have a deeper meaning in horror. I think people are kind of, the, the, the 80s and the 90s were very easy to have surface level horror, especially with the slashers and slasher remakes. It was very easy to do that. People don't want that anymore. People don't want that anymore. So really, wrapping back to Haunting in Connecticut, Haunting in Connecticut was ahead of its time. Very, was... very much so. Because I think people that have never seen this or are giving this a rewatch, like myself, who probably hadn't seen this in like 10 years. Me. It's, who couldn't, uh, actually, I didn't like it the first time I saw it at all. I watched it again. I found out that they made a sequel, which was god-awful, horrible. Please don't. So terrible. Please don't. It's not even in... Just, I'm not even going to talk about it. Just don't, please. Yeah, it's not even in Connecticut, of, is it? <laughs> also, and I'm just going to say it, because I'm black, and it's Black History Month, so I'm extra blackity black, black, black this month, Um, and we get an extra day. Um, So... I am really sick of you know how fucking shitty that is that, that they we make have Black shortest History month. month February. My brain just caught that. Yeah, and they I still gave don't, you I still the don't shortest know. fucking month, girl. This has been in every black meeting since they started that shit. I'm, I'm sorry, I know I you're just... late to the meetings. Listen, it's fine. She's late to the meetings. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. She's in the meetings now. <laughs> So she's up to date with the emails. Um, she's up to date on the email list. Um, so I just want to say for the record that putting any type of black story with white people writing it, let's not do that anymore. Can we stop doing that? Um, and that's all I'm going to say about Haunting in Connecticut too. Oh, is that what that is? Lord. It got to the end of the movie and I was like, slaves? I didn't mean to scream slaves into that. I am so <laughs> sorry if anybody. I am so sorry. That was NSFW. Somebody I am so somebody's sorry. working in the It is Black slaves. History Month, and they just heard a black woman scream slaves. I am so sorry. I want to formally apologize uh, on behalf of the community. Um, I did not mean to do that. I'm very <laughs> sorry to everyone. At least you said but slaves. If you've never the seen, word if you've never the seen, well, <laughs> at least you didn't scream the n word. I can't say it. You can, but at least you didn't just scream that. I'll just very soft. Okay. Um, <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time that someone came to me and told me they're like, "Your podcast is racist." Mm -hmm. And I said, "What?" Because they didn't know I was black. Because they didn't know you were black. Yeah. And she was like, she "Did they have a ro did they have a Roseanne moment?" I well, the bitch was black. It was I'm one sorry. of my exes. So <laughs> it was the big one, yeah, Roseanne. <laughs> it was the one that was north, not south. Hilarious. So yeah, no, she said that, and I was like, "I don't mean to sound like that white person, Hilarious. but she's like my best friend is black." Like, I mean, yes, so I can. I'm like, I can't actually say that. Call her. I don't She'll... like to. When it's in the context, though, I can say it. Right. Because I am. 
There's apparently like a whole song out there that they released for Black History. We're like, it's Black History Month. And I can say the and the guy just is like saying the words. And I went, my husband is white. I'm sure I've said this. And I'm just like on my phone, saying, and he's just like, Happy Black History Month to you too. Like, what? <laughs> I love this. I'm TikToks. like, you can't say it. I can't. <laughs> Those TikToks where like the black friend is looking at the white friend during a song, and as soon as the N-word pops up. The black friend will stop and look. It's the greatest thing ever. It's funny as shit. And the white friend sits there like. It's the greatest thing ever. Because I do it too. I stop. I won't say it. I'll say anything in a song with that. I don't even like saying it to talk about it. I won't say it. I don't say it. You know, it would perfect. I don't know if they did the DMX, but it would work perfectly because it's literally every. It's the title. It's my nigga. It's like in every and it's every other <laughs> song. So I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if they did that one because you would barely hear the white guy in the whole. <laughs> my my da, 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 my my my, <laughs> my motherfucking. Because <laughs> I ride for my motherfucking. <laughs> it sounds like the clean flicks version of a of Titanic. <laughs> no. no. The clean flicks version of Titanic is what that song would sound like. I don't know if I've ever told this story here, but when I told you the first time I ever saw one of those and it was Armageddon and I didn't realize that it was the clean flicks because I had seen the... Was there a movie? (laughs) When it got to the part with Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck and we all, and the Animal Cracker, listen, we've all seen the movie. We all know what part I'm talking about. They flashed through that so quick. I was like, what happened? <laughs> Did somebody see? Did I said it out loud in a church is where I was watching it. Too. I was like, what happened? Did y'all see that? Somebody had to pull me out of the room and go, this isn't the, this is the one we play at the church. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> and then all these years later, I meet you and you're like, yeah, there was this whole thing and they got in trouble. And I was like, what the? I was like, so that wasn't a fever dream. I didn't like acid flash. I watched Titanic on Cling Flicks no, so many times me. that when I watch the normal one now, I know exactly where everything is. I I have memorized. I watched Titanic so many fucking times that I memorized. Now, mind you, the oh, Titanic so movie is three hours and fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. roughly. The Clean Flicks version, two hours and fifty minutes hilarious well the whole drawing scene is gone oh, of course they fade it they, <laughs> they fade it from i want you to draw me like one of your french girls and they fade it into him giving her the drawing they do okay because the armageddon one it's like they show the grass and then it just fades into like a totally different i was like i'm in this church you know, auditorium goes- loud as hell like 15 year old me like, y'all see that? And they were like, um. <laughs> Don't tell the others there's bad parts. <laughs> I could choke now. Like the fucking that scene where 25 he goes, where to miss and she goes to the stars. That <sighs> scene also fades out to where they see the iceberg. Why? They don't uh, even show the hand on the car because it's sex. It's bad. Oh. You can't <laughs> see that. <laughs> Now, mind you, let me tell you, the, <laughs> let me tell you this part real quick, and then we'll, we'll finally get into the thing. But sorry, guys, so you know the beginning great. of the film when they put the picture that they found of her right. on the screen, and she's looking at it really hard, like, yeah, oh my god, is that me? Clean oh, flicks where she was watching it on the news on the with TV. her granddaughter. Clean flicks didn't even fucking try. 
So you're looking at your TV screen, right? It's that, that whole, your whole screen is that picture. They literally chopped from the tits down and just made it like fucking strobe out. It was like blinking really hard. Now I must find this. Now I wish I still I had it. I think I threw it away. Now I must. <laughs> I think I should have kept that. I should have like, I am going that. to get very stoned and find the clean Flicks version. <laughs> I might laugh myself into when a we stroke. Watched that it, might not be When we watched it, I even remember my mom being like, oh, that hurt my eyes. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, this mom, isn't supposed to be Because there. they cut the boobs. <laughs> Because Jesus doesn't want us to see boobs, mom. What's really funny, though, is that the first set of boobs I saw were Kate Winslet's because they didn't tell me to turn my head in time when we watched the original movie. So I, think I that can was always the first tell set my mom. Boobs my, my brother ever saw. Was I can I always tell my mom you're the reason I'm gay because I saw Kate Winslet's boobs when I was too young. It's, it's all James Cameron's fault. It's Kate Winslet's fault. Oh. She's still hot, though. Well, I'll technically, James Cameron's fault. True. <laughs> we'll just, she's aged very nicely though. She's I can't so stand Avatar and he just keeps making those movies Stop. blaming James Cameron. Did you know that Avatar 2 is now the highest grossing movie of all time? The fucking second one. Titanic is now four. Titanic was number two for years. I I am so sorry for anybody out there that is Avatar fans, but I literally no. can't. If you come to me and the best thing you say about the and I ask you, so how was the movie? They're like, the special effects are great. That's like asking somebody, so how was your cruise? The food was great. That is not what I asked you. <laughs> that is not, that is not what I asked you. So if I come to you and I ask you, how was the movie? You go, the special effects are great. I'm going to go, okay. In my brain, the movie was trash. Okay. The movie was trash. Because, yeah. No, it was I'm, not, pretty. I'm not believing you. I, the food on the cruise was great. I asked you how the cruise was. I didn't ask you nothing <laughs> about food. <laughs> so, getting into the true story behind <clears throat> the Connecticut hunting, I keep, I keep wanting to say conjuring. I'm so do you want to? Do we want to go into any quick things about the? Well, really quick about the movie because we we are kind of gonna uh, compare. There's gonna be the real life counterpoints to the the film's version so they the real life family are the snedekers um and this actually took place in the 80s in 1986 and uh the movie is set in more modern times around when it was shot in the early 2000s and this family is called the campbells but they pretty much keep it all in line as far as mom dad older son who is who has cancer two youngest children boy and girl and then um i think is it a cousin or is she the aunt or the cousin that lives with them i think she's a i think she's a cousin because i think in the actual story it was uh niece okay so in the i think it's a niece because in the actual story um the niece and the yeah, the counterpart in the in real life is is the niece. So they they pretty much kept everything the same as far as the family dynamic. They just changed changed the names essentially. Um, and then, then of course there's a few other things. We also found a really so this article is from July of last year from allthingsinteresting.com. 
And there's also going to be another article from, this is a really great website called chasingthefrog.com. So they actually find out the true story behind movies that say they're based on the true story. And then they do the comparisons between the movie and what actually happened. So they give you like a, a rundown of everything. And they do several different movies, not just horror films. So I, I was like, that's a pretty cool website. I'll have to explore that a little bit more. Um, but the All Things Interesting one... uh it's titled The True Story of the Terrifying Events Behind the Haunting in Connecticut. In 1986, the Snedeker family moved into their new home in Salington, Connecticut. But two years later, the family would leave the house telling stories of shocking paranormal activity. The Snedekers were desperately searching for a home to rent in the area so their son, Philip, could receive treatment for his Hodgkin's lymphoma at the nearby Yukon <clears throat> Hospital. The house on Meriden Avenue seemed like a perfect fit and the Snedekers rushed to move in. What seemed like a lucky find quickly turned into a nightmare once the family began experiencing paranormal activity. They reported seeing and hearing unknown forces being attacked in their sleep and even experiencing violent personality changes. This is the true story that inspired a terrifying Hollywood horror film. So the beginning of the true story... Uh, the Sinetiker family were like any other middle-class American family. They were comprised of Carmen Reed, her husband Alan Snedeker, and their four children, Philip Bradley, Alan Jr., and Jennifer. Carmen's niece, Tammy, also lived with the family. At a young age, Philip was diagnosed with Hod Hodgkin's lymphoma, a type of... So, real quick, I just wanted to give the names of the counterparts in the movie. So, Carmen would be Sarah Campbell, who was played by Vir Virginia Madsen. Philip would be Matt, who was played by Cal Ga uh, Kyle Gallner. Tammy was Wendy, who was played by Amanda Crew. Um, what was the father's name again? Uh, Alan. Alan was Peter Campbell, who was played by Martin Donovan. Um, the little boy... Sorry, what was his name again? Bradley. Bradley was Billy in the movie, played by Ty Wood. And Alan um, Jr. <clears throat> who was it? Alan Jr. Oh, okay. So they actually did replace that with a girl. And that was... I was going to say, I thought it was That was girl, Mary. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. They replaced that with a girl. That was Mary, um, who was played by Sophie Knight. So those are the fictional counterpoints in the movie as you're watching it to who they, who they are in real life. So Philip was diagnosed with the type of cancer that affects the body's lymphatic system. Because of Philip's diagnosis, the Snedeker family also had to travel long distances from their home to Yukon Hospital for treatment. Eventually, the family felt that it would be better to move closer to the hospital so that Philip would not have to suffer through long and often painful car rides. The search <clears throat> began for a home large enough to house the Snedeker family, and soon they found what they were looking for at 208 Meriden Avenue. The five-bedroom, two-bathroom home provided plenty of space for the family, and so on June 30th, 1986, the Snedekers signed a lease and moved into the home. So that's pretty similar to to how the movie starts out, where you can see... Now, I don't know if they specifically specify what type of cancer Matt has, but he's actually going at the time through experimental treatments at this hospital. There, There's a, a new type of chemo or something that they're putting him through that 
they're warning him may have side effects. So later that plays into these hauntings because they're thinking it's side effects of this experimental treatment that he's, that Matt has been receiving at the hospital. Um, and they wanted in the movie to move closer to the hospital. <clears throat> so that's when they bought this house. And it's also a really big house in the movie. In the movie, in the movie it's as well. fucking yeah, huge. It's huge. <clears throat> so, um, the move-in process seems seamless for the Snedekers. The children picked their bedrooms with minimal arguments, and the family loaded their belongings into the house smoothly. Everything seemed normal until Carmen made a disturbing discovery in the home's basement. Lying among dusty boxes and old furniture were funerary items. The family claimed that the basement had embalming equipment and other materials necessary to run a mortuary. According to the 2002 documentary about the case, A Haunting in Connecticut, Carmen stated that she had no idea the home had once been a funeral parlor. When she toured the home, Carmen said that she was unable to enter the basement because renovators had blocked the door away with materials. So in the movie, it was actually, <clears throat> so who would have been Philip, which was Matt in the movie, Kyle's, Kyle Gallner's character that he plays. Um, he's playing in the basement with his little brother, Billy, and that's when they actually pushed the door. There were two separate rooms in the basement, which was Matt's, ended up being Matt's room since he was the oldest sibling. And he pushed the door open, and that's when they found all the <clears throat> the table, the embalming equipment, various different things. Um, so that's how it played out in the movie. Carmen confirmed that the house was once a funeral home by contacting Daryl Kern, the home's owner. Kern stated that the property was once the Hallahan Funeral Home and had been in operation for decades, though he claimed that he told the family about this before they moved in as per a 1992 piece in the Hartford uh, Current. This disturbing fact did not prevent Philip's sons, Philip and Bradley, from claiming the basement as their own bedroom. <clears throat> and in the movie, it was just Matt's room. He did not share it with any of the other siblings. As the oldest Snedeker children, Philip and Bradley wanted a private space of their own, and the basement was spacious compared to the smaller rooms on the upper floors. Philip and Bradley reportedly slept in the casket display room down the hall from the from the embalming room. In addition to mortuary equipment, the Snedekers also found images of the deceased on the property. According to Chasing the Frog, which is the website I told you, those are comparisons with the real-life counterpoints of the movie, Carmen Snedeker said that there were a couple of photos in the home, but there were many toe tags and head tags. <coughs> Excuse me. There were other personal items of the deceased. <clears throat> now, in the movie, once there starts, there's a lot of different really creepy things going on. Um, and they're playing hide and seek with the kids. And one of the kids breaks her, it was uh, the little girl breaks her foot through the floorboard. They found this book, this box that had pictures. And this was very common that a lot of times one of the last uh, still tintype photos you would have had taken would have been. Um, either at the funeral home with the body displayed or where they would actually prop you up next to a family member or loved one and it would look like you were sleeping like a regular family photo but the person in the photo was actually dead um and then also in the movie this is when they found the box of eyelids and the movie went a little bit more this is when it really went more fictional uh that there were that the person that was running the funeral home had been using a, a young boy named Jonah as a medium to do seances to get money from people. 
But it got even worse. He actually started doing necromancy. So the dead bodies, he was cutting their eyelids off um, to keep power over them. And then he would carve symbols into their bodies. And uh, that was how he was gaining power from the dead to make Jonas's um, seances even more powerful. Where he would literally... uh, (coughs) Ectoplasm would come out of his mouth and they would capture this and, and still photos i say tin type because that was more popular in like the 1800s but it was same type of camera um and then uh that funeral home director because jonah was trying to leave and stop it he actually killed him in the basement crematory um so yeah that that's where they went a lot more fictional because later on um and this is mentioned that philip was he was started freaking out um like where they were initially they thought these were side effects from the medication it was actually him channeling jonah or matt channeling jonah but in real life philip was having things happen and he started acting really crazy toward the family so they had him committed to a psychiatric hospital and that actually did happen to matt later in the movie but that was explained by him basically channeling jonah and um the spirits in the in the house coming after him. So that was kind of how they they added more fiction into the real life story. <clears throat> so the Snedekers, the okay, the most horrifying aspects of the true story of the haunting of Connecticut dealt with intense and often violent interactions. The Snedekers said they had with the paranormal. The paranormal activity in the home started the night that the family moved into the home. Wasted no time. And targeted Philip more than any other family member. Because he was vulnerable. My son started seeing this young man with long black hair all the way down to his hips. Carmen stated to people, he would talk to my son every day. Sometimes threaten him. Other times he would just stand there and say his name, which was enough to scare him. However, excuse me, the spooky happening slowly spread to other family members and escalated in intensity. Carmen claimed that while mopping the floor, the water turned into blood and gave off an acrid smell reminiscent of rotting flesh. The mop water was blood red. I mean, a deep, deep red. It made my skin crawl. I started getting nervous that I was ruining the floor, Carmen said in a 2002 documentary. So in the movie, it was actually Matt seeing the water turn red as his mom was mopping. It wasn't the mom that actually saw it, like what happened to Carmen in real life. But that was something that they actually did put in the movie that really happened. The most shocking was the claim for the claim from both Carmen and Alan that unknown forces had essayed the both of them. And that is obviously not mentioned anywhere in the movie, but the uh, book or the story that was corroborated with them and Ed and Lorraine, that that was mentioned. And, you know, that's not the first time that that has been reported that people, you know, who am I to say if that's actually happened to people? If they feel like that's happened to them, you know, spirits touch people. Why wouldn't touching me like that? <laughs> um, absolutely not. No. While unknown forces physically tormented to the adults in the family, they seem to take a deeper interest in Philip than ever before. The Snedeker started to worry when Philip's personality personality began to change. He became irritable and reckless, often inflicting cruel punishments on his younger siblings. On one occasion, he placed Bradley on a gurney and spun him around until the younger boy begged him to stop. 
He also locked his brother in a chest and walked away. The spinning table, that that happened mm-hmm. in the movie. So everything that happened to Philip, they were chronicling that in the movie with Matt, but a lot of it was being blamed on this experimental cancer treatment, that it was side effects. Because they would ask him if he, right. was seeing, if he was having like auditory or visual hallucinations. And at first he said no until they really started ramping up more. Um, the worst incident after Philip attacked his cousin Tammy and was consequently forced to spend 45 days in a hospital. Doctors eventually diagnosed him with schizophrenia after he told him about the entities he saw regularly, but they noted that the medication he was on to treat his cancer could not have given him hallucinations or triggered any dormant schizophrenic illness. The Snedeker family decided it was best to send him to live with relatives, and reportedly he stopped hearing voices and seeing spirits after this. With such strong indications of paranormal activity, the Snedeker family contacted Ed Lorraine Warren, as well as a priest, to do an exorcism on the house. On September 6th of 1988, a priest performed an exorcism on the house, and the family reported that the paranormal activity suddenly disappeared. Later that year, they moved out of the house and never returned, thus marking an end to the supposed true story of the haunting in Connecticut. So in the movie... Um, in the movie adaptation, Ed and Lorraine are not mentioned at all. Um, there is a reverend in the movie that is played by, uh, Elias Cotius. I am so sorry if I'm butchering that because I am a huge, huge fan. He was the original Casey and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I have, I have always loved, I have been a big fan of this man. Always been a huge fan of his, so I apologize. It's That is a very Greek name, so I apologize if I butchered it. But he plays a Reverend, Reverend Nicholas, who uh, Matt meets while he's going through his cancer treatments. Um, he is also going through cancer treatment. And um, he the way he meets him as he's explaining, like Matt mentions, to, he actually has a hallucination while he's getting treatment. And... Uh, the way they meet and the way Nicholas is explaining it to him is that it's because you're, you're in that in between you're in the, you're in the Valley of the shadow of death, but it's important to always remember, do not fear no evil for the Lord is with thee. Um, but it, it, cause that's what Casper kept mentioning in to the real life part of Philip that it would, it would make perfect sense that Philip would be the one that they would be targeting the strongest because he was so vulnerable with cancer. It would make perfect sense. It, it's like the Amityville story uh, with Ronald DeFeo, um, with Butch DeFeo, with being a heroin addict. Spirits like that are going to target you at your most vulnerable. So somebody that is on drugs, somebody that is Sick. near death with cancer or any other illness, those spirits are 1000% going to target you more because you're, you know, especially something like cancer, because you're really in that like in, be- in between stage of, of life and <clears throat> death. Um, so that I, I'm, I'm assuming that his part would be take, would take part of the real life priest that Ed and Lorraine brought in. Um, and then the way the movie ultimately ends is that uh, they thought Jonas was the bad one. They found Jonas's pieces of his uh, remains and the Reverend removes them. Come to find out it's not Jonas. It was this mortuary guy who was doing the necromancy. 
And while Matt is in a psychiatric hospital because he had all these cuts all over him, which the spirit of this funeral director had done because that's what he had done to the dead bodies. His mom thought that he did them to himself. So she took him to the hospital and they had him committed at the time. Um, but come to find out there were still, the bodies were still buried in the house. So when Matt came back as they were trying to get everybody out because they started attacking even more because now the spirits were loose because Jonah was no longer there to protect them. He came in and removed all of the bodies and set the house on fire. Um, so that was ultimately how the movie, how the movie ended. Um, but now this is where we get into casting doubt where people have, uh, had their doubts in whether or not the story was true or if uh, Ed and Lorraine's part of, you know, of course people have always said that Ed and Lorraine were lying, but you know, that goes without saying. With the Snedeker's fantastical claims of violent paranormal experiences, some people doubted their validity. The Snedeker family went public with their experiences prior to leaving the residence. And Daryl Kern noted in 1992 from the Hartford current, that the reported paranormal activity seemed to escalate when the family was behind on rent. It was just a scheme to make money, Kern said. It's Even also, also, if they're already negative, when shit gets bad, <clears throat> they feed off of that and can get stronger. So just saying. Yeah, that's always if they're behind course. on rent, they're clearly stressed out, which is going to make them even more stressed, and they're going to feed off of that. So, you know, and that's something that was even touched in the movie was their, you know, financial struggles. The father, the mother didn't work to take care of him to get the son to and from his treatments. And the niece was there to help out to take care of the youngest two. And the dad worked construction. And, um, you know, there's even that part in the movie where she's talking about his nausea medicine was $25 a pill. And I'm like, this is this is the real life of of drug companies and the med and medicine in America. Thank yep. you very much. Um, but that right there was almost kind of a glimpse into the real life of like, you know, that shit is expensive. Mm -hmm. And if you're already struggling and you only have one family member with, with a source of income, like, of course they would fall, fall behind on rent. Cancer right. treatments are expensive. Right. And you so, know, your insurance ain't covering all of that. Yeah. That I'm just like, well, I mean, you know, that they, they can say that. People can say that if they want. But, I mean, if, if you don't know the whole story or even, like, the cost of things, like, yeah, that would be. Yeah. If my dad didn't have insurance and how much his cancer medication, like, it's crazy. Like, that stuff, yeah, just, this stuff, it's expensive. Um, even with, uh, even the family's neighbor, Catherine Altimus, I believe it's how it's pronounced, believed that the whole thing was a hoax. I, uh, she's quoted as saying is, I think they had this planned right from the time that they moved in. And she told that to the same newspaper piece. Ultimus noted that the family always appeared jovial whenever they were outside, not acting like a terrified family, which I fucking hate that. Like you think that. You don't think that they're going to try to hide that from people at first. Like you don't think that they think that they're losing their minds when crazy. And if they would have acted happening. like they were terrified while they were outside, they would have been like, "Well, they were just being over dramatic." Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how neighbors are going to react, or maybe they'll think something's wrong with them and they'll call the cops on them or right? something like that. Like what? That kind of like that was another thing when I was reading through this article. I was like, it was like the behind the rent thing. I was like, what does that even mean? That they weren't acting all like. You act like you don't even know who they were. 
Friends of Philip even stated that they, too, didn't believe the story given his personality. He was a storyteller. He always had to be the center of attention, Jeffrey Pooler said to the Hartford Current. Two weeks prior to the Hollywood film's release in 2009, more people spoke out against the family's claims, including the new owner of the supposed haunted house. We lived in the house for 10 years. Our house is wonderful. Susan Trotta Smith, the owner of the house in 2009, told NBC Connecticut. This is all Hollywood foolishness. The stories are all ludicrous. Well, of course, after they did the exorcism, the spirit would no longer be there. That's what always pisses me off about the Amityville house when they fucking say that the new owners don't report. First of all, do you think the new owners would say anything if something was happening, giving everything, all the fucking publicity that house has got? Second of all, if there isn't any activity, that means the exorcism worked. What? Okay. Like the three main things of this article that pissed me off. Like that was the one at the end. Like there's no more activity. So then, okay, then that means the exorcism worked. <laughs> Do you know? What You're I not saying anything. I don't even like what. <laughs> While people debate whether the story behind one of Hollywood's most spine tingling horror films is true or not, the quote unquote true story of the haunting in Connecticut and the Snedeker family has certainly solidified itself is one of the greatest ghost stories in American history. So to go to um, the article by chasingthefrog.com where they're doing like um, a side-by-side -side of the of the real story with the people involved. Um, so this is how they're, this is the questions and the answers to them. Did the eldest son actually have cancer? Well, yes, we know. Philip did. Did they move to a nearby hospital? Yes, they did. So we know that part. And the house was an actual funeral home. Um, and did the mom know the house was a funeral home? So we know it depends on who you ask that Carmen, who was played as Sarah Campbell in the movie by Virginia Madsen, states that she wasn't told, but the former owner, Kern, said that he did tell them. Now, I don't know what Connecticut, we do know the neighboring state in Massachusetts, they do have to disclose to an owner. They actually have to disclose to an owner whether or not it's haunted, but they do have to disclose to an owner whether or not somebody died in the home or something like that. But like the funeral home thing, I don't know. Would you have to tell somebody it was a funeral home? I guess, I don't know. Would you have to? That's not necessarily did somebody die. I mean, like, I know there certain... were dead people in this house, but did somebody actually die? No. Like, I. But there were a lot of dead states, people here. I think there are a lot of states that have certain stipulations. I think you have to tell somebody if someone died in the house. Right. Or like there was a murder or something like that. But I don't think you have to tell somebody if it was a funeral home. But here's my thing. You can probably tell what a funeral home would look like. So I'm just saying, did you not look at the whole house? I would think there would be other indications besides the basement. It, that would... Funeral homes look like weird churches. So it's like... You know what, though? If you remember... Um... Oh, goddamn. I want to help, us, but left us all with lasting trauma in our lives as children. Anybody who watched this movie, um, I was going to say there's Paul a Macaulay lot. Culkin when he was little, and he was her family. Dan Aykroyd and her family had her dad ran the, the uh, funeral home. 
And, oh my God. My girl. Fuck that movie. Now, they live... Fuck that I don't want to talk about it. I don't want... He can't be without his glasses. I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But now, they lived in the funeral home that they actually... Well, that house still looked like a funeral home, though. Like, it looked like a home, but it looked like a funeral home. Yeah. You're right. You would know. You would know. That's, there would that's be my opinion. That Every would look funeral like it would home that look, I've been in, it would look like... If it looks like that... Every single funeral home I've been in, it looks like a funeral home. I would, like, the front foyer, I feel like, would be a dead giveaway. I feel Easy. like there would be elements of the house that would be a, there besides the basement, that would be a dead giveaway. That have giveaway. stairs that go upstairs. That, that, that's fine, but there are Sometimes there's offices up there, there where, if they don't actually live there. That look like funeral homes to me. I, I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that, because I bring up my, because I, I remember that, that they actually lived there, but I'm like, but that. You would know, even if you didn't walk into the part that where they actually did the services, you would know the house was a funeral What home. kind of like homes a... have four fucking living rooms off of the yeah, main foyer? Like, that too... doesn't make any sense. You're right. I'm so just even, saying. If, even if he wouldn't have told her, I feel like there would have been indications that you just would have known. That does seem kind of... Because usually when you strange. walk into a funeral home, nine times out of ten, when they're when they're the big ones, not the little ones, because obviously the little ones, you know it's a funeral home. Mm -hmm. When it's the big ones, you walk into this foyer, and there are rooms connected to it. Mm -hmm. You can go into one of the... It does look a little homey, but you can go but into these rooms. But they do that rooms, for a reason. And it's like, yeah. I'm sorry, what home has three living rooms exactly. off of the main room? Like, I don't know. I just feel like you, you would be able to tell. And I've been in one recently that actually looked like that. There was a tall, like, two-story. Mm -hmm. It was two-story. Well, recently within the last decade. <laughs> we'll say recent. That, that's recent, right? The last decade, it's recent. Um, so we know, we, again, the the bloody mop water did happen. Happened to Carmen. Um, the scene where the dishes put themselves away. Now, this is very early on in the movie where in... Matt's treatment where this is kind of one of the first sort of hallucinations he has where his mom's making dinner and she tells she tells him to get down the plates and the silverware now he gets the silverware he puts the plates down and when he goes to get the silverware and puts it down the plates are no longer there they're back on the shelf where he just got them and he looks at his mom and he goes did you and she goes what and he goes never mind um so that was that was very close closer to the beginning of the movie so according to carmen um oh so philip actually so that actually did happen while the movie depicts this occurrence happening to the eldest son philip and the discovery channel documentary it reveals that it actually happened to carmen i thought i was losing my mind i know i set the table but the dishes weren't there did the niece really live with the family that would have been tammy her mother and father were divorcing. Um, so that's when she called her aunt to invite her to, to live with them at the time. Um, the spinning with the brother on the gurney actually did happen, as we saw it in the movie. Um, the lights actually flickering. So there's a scene in the movie where the dad comes home drunk and he's pissed off because something had just happened like things are kind of ramping up more more things are happening to members of the family so everybody's pretty freaked out and they turn all the lights on well the dad comes home drunk and he's pissed off that all the lights and i made of money is you know going off 
So he takes all the light bulbs out and breaks them. Well, the lights were still flickering as if there were light bulbs there. And in real life, that did happen. Lights would come on and off, even if there weren't bulbs in it. Um, so did the real life Matt Campbell, who would have been Philip, see things because of treatment side effects? According to Carmen, no. She asked his oncologist about the possibility of visual side effects. He said there was no chance of him having hallucinations or delusions with the medication that he was on. Did the son actually sleep in the basement? Uh, Philip did share it with his brother, even though in the movie the brother slept upstairs and it was Matt who was the oldest that slept downstairs. So in the movie, Jonah was a fictional character. He was not real. He was added as an explanation of the supernatural events in the movie, as we said about the, the dead people and the necromancy and all that was just added in to the movie. Um, now, according to Carmen, though, as we mentioned before, there were pictures of actual dead people that they did find. Toe tags, head tags. Um, obviously not eyelids, but in the movie, you do see pictures of the dead as well um did the son really see dead people with writing carved on them no he did not um but he did see the thin man with the cheekbones long hair uh there was another one with white hair that was wearing a pinstripe tuxedo um philip in real life uh, according to the family did become more distant dark and violent uh like a meanness had come over him. Um, there was no reverend in the movie uh, or in real life like the movie. There were just um, any priests that were met came from the Catholic Church, not the hospital. And then also the priest that came with Ed and Lorraine when they did the seance. Um, there's a scene in the end with a shower curtain. So Wendy, who plays the niece, whose real life counterpart was Tammy. Uh, this is towards the end of the movie. She's taking a shower um, and the whole shower curtain wraps around her and is like tight, like it was trying to suffocate her. Uh, so they say not exactly. In real life, um, the shower curtain incident did happen, but it happened to the mother, not the niece. Um, and according to Carmen, the shower curtain did wrap around my face so I couldn't breathe and my niece had to come in to rescue me. Um, and I almost fell, but didn't actually fall. Um... And in real life, Philip actually did try to attack Tammy, like uh, scenes with Matt and Wendy in the movie. Um, Matt in the movie was sent to a psychiatric hospital because they thought they did the carvings to himself. Uh, Philip went in real life for trying to attack Tammy. Uh the drunken manner that was depicted in the movie of the father removing the light bulbs did not happen in that way. But the father in real life, Alan, concluded that this was because the children were sleeping at night with the lights on and he removed the light bulbs because of the electric bill being so high because they couldn't afford it. Um, did the real life Matt Phillip find bodies in the walls? No, they didn't, even though it really was a funeral home. Did the son really try to burn the house down? No, the filmmakers needed a climactic way to release the demons from the home and created the fire in a, in theatrical per, for theatrical purposes. According to the Seneca family, as we mentioned before, after the exorcism was performed in September of 88, um, that 
brought closure to the house, to the spirits. You know, I think it would be really cool if, you know how Max was making that Conjuring series? Uh, the actual series about the Ed and Lorraine Warren cases? Right. They should do this one. You would think so. Especially still, Car especially since Carmen is still very open to right. talking about it. Um, did Philip... Now, this is actually something I did know that I just found out. And this is very... This is kind of heartbreaking in a way. Um, unfortunately, Philip Snedeker did not survive cancer. At the end of the movie, they said Matt ended up being okay. Philip did not. During the treatments in Southington, Philip Snedeker's cancer did go into remission and had not yet resurfaced at the time of the movie's release in 2009. He was working as a trucker. He had four children, but unfortunately, his cancer did return and it ultimately claimed his life on August 9th, 2012. And he is buried in the Wilson Cemetery in Elizabethton, Tennessee, in case anybody wanted to leave flowers or something for him. Um, Philip was my age. He was 39 years old when he died. That is very sad. I did the math from the time he was born, and I thought, 39 is way too young to get right. cancer and die. Like, that, it broke my heart. So, rest in peace to Philip. This episode is dedicated to him. I was completely unaware that he had passed away until right before um, we did the podcast tonight. So um, again, if anybody wants to leave flowers, it's Philip Snedeker and it's Wilson Cemetery in Elizabethton, Tennessee. I'm sure he would appreciate that. Um, according to the new owners, uh, as of 2009, the house is no longer haunted. And we just said, duh, that means the exorcism worked. Um, do the Snedeker still believe the house is haunted? So... Um, Due to the disturbances in the household, the Snedeker family, um, so Ed and Lorraine, as well as John Zaffis, John Zaffis was also involved. Uh, if you know, he was a longtime friend to Ed and Lorraine, um, has always stood up for them. They helped train him. Um, he worked under them for many years. I love, love John Zaffis and what he's done in the paranormal community. Um, researchers do believe that the former funeral workers were guilty, so not necromancy, but even worse, if you could believe that, uh, actual necrophilia. So that was what John, Ed, and Lorraine came to believe after researching about the house. Carmen later reported that former workers were found guilty, although they were unable to find any documentation regarding this claim. So we don't we don't you know. know we don't know for sure. But there was a thing going around on TikTok not too long ago where they were like, funeral homes prefer to mm -hmm. hire women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Yes, the you know, reason a, that you, you know, just there was a case thought, that happened here in Cincinnati years ago. It happened here where a guy was doing that." That's what she said. She said, "Yep, the reason that you're thinking at why a they want at to a, do it is why in hospitals." He was doing it at the Morgan Hospital. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, God. Um, you know, that, there's just, I can't, I, no. Just, 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 no. So, um, Lorraine was interviewed about this movie. Lorraine Warren was. Um, she commented that when she had heard about the movie, um, she's quoted as saying, I was also told about scratching on the walls, blood and seances. This isn't the type of things that were occurring within the house at all. Lorraine Warren put it simply when saying the movie is a very 
very loosely based on the actual investigation. You know, and as we said, it, typically that does happen in movies like this. I think that the story in and of itself was crazy enough, but for Hollywood purposes, you got to hype it up a little bit. Like, why were all these things happening? Like, okay, we know it's a funeral home, but I'm sure there's other people that live in renovated funeral homes um, and they're not seeing blood and crazy things happening in their house. So what, even though Ed and Lorraine um, and John Zaffis came to believe that the formal funeral workers, even though apparently there's no proof or whatever, that they were performing necrophilia, um, that's not necessarily something they can put in a movie either. Um, so you're trying to think of like, what, what could we really, like, what, what could we do? Um, honestly, I thought that was a brilliant idea to take it from that to necromancy that, that he was literally doing, mm -hmm. um, they, they spells said, and stuff on we'll these dead do bodies. necro, but we're going to change the Nancy. last part. How about we do that? How do we do that? Mancy. Necromancy. It's just as bad, but not Is disgusting. It? It's it's pretty awful. I mean, you're okay, you're still desecrating a dead body. I mean, you're right, yeah. It is, it's it's ultimately a desecration. It is a desecration. You're right. But I would definitely rather have my eye if I had to choose one or the other, please carve spells into my body and cut off my eyelids. Autopsy of Jane Doe. Just don't touchy in bad places you disgusting disgusting person <laughs> let's not do that that's why the, the you haven't watched neon demon yet have you i know what happens yeah. i didn't know that was coming i know what happened i didn't know that was coming yeah, yeah. Anyway. i've seen <laughs> necrophilia where men are doing it to a woman's body, but it was very new to see a woman doing it to a mm -hmm. woman's body. Yes. And what you're thinking is exactly what happened if you haven't seen the Neon Demon. And I'm telling you, I audibly gasped and my mouth was probably a gape for the next 15 minutes after that. That has been one of those movies that has been on my list for so long. <laughs> but yes, I do know that scene. It was kind of one of those ones where it's like, I don't think people could hide the story anymore. Like, or hide the spoiler anymore, I guess I should say. They couldn't hide that spoiler anymore. It just So it just came out, and I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I had no idea that was coming. I was like, is she, she, oh, yeah, she is. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um... Yeah, so I, I do agree with you that watching the movie again actually made me like like really like the movie this time. I never hated it, but I watched it from a totally different perspective this time. I don't super like it. But oh, I, I like love it better it, than but I'll tell you right now, it could definitely be one of those movies I'd have on in the background. It's a good background. For movie. sure. Definitely a good background For movie. Sure. If it's one of those like I don't got nothing to watch. Put this on. Hey, this is on. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, why not? It it totally works as and I it, hey, listen, I appreciate those movies too. Mm -hmm. You gotta have those background noise movies. 
I that you actually want to have on his back. <laughs> Fucking same. <laughs> Pretty much all found footage that I'm obsessed with are my background movies. Same. One thousand percent. Um Believe it or not, the nun is one of my background movies. I don't know why. It's comforting. It I any any of the just, conjuring movies just... are comforting to me. Honest to God. I swear anything, you know, I'm putting together a pattern here. Anything that has the Farmiga sisters in it. I I any it, it, like I just I love them. So sorry, it's totally off topic, but since uh I just started rewatching the Sopranos. Case anybody was interested, twenty uh, fifth <laughs> year anniversary, um, and they made that movie a couple years ago, The Many Saints of Newark, where it's basically like the backstory, and uh, James Gandolfini's son plays the young Tony Soprano. Guess who plays uh, their mom? Vera. Vera. <laughs> I just found that out. I had no idea. Mm. And if anybody watched The Soprano, y'all already. No, about that mom. Okay, if, if you're a part so of I, girl, I am. You have no idea. I'm almost done. I think I have like eight or nine episodes. I'm in the last season. We're in the home stretch. I cannot wait to watch that movie now. I am I so feel excited like if to watch she that movie. Play Norma Bates. Not only was I going to watch it anyway, but when I saw her. I was like, now I have to watch this. Oh I yeah, she has to watch this now because we know she can play some moms. Oh yeah. If she can absolutely Miss Norma destroy <laughs> the Norma Bates role, she can do anything. Oh, I'm, I'm, because listen, anybody that was a Sopranos fan, that mom was an actual like, yeah, she was a narcissist. She was. Norma Bates. <laughs> Basically, Tony Soprano, as well as everybody else on the planet, has mom issues. So that's what all that's what sends us all to therapy. Tony Soprano, me, all of us are going to therapy because of our mothers. So um me. yeah, listen. So there you go. So I'm you're right. After what she did with Norma, I cannot wait. I was already gonna watch it and I was looking at the list. I was like, Veer watching it watching it i will watch anything. anything listen i will watch anything that woman is in anything okay she has it could be a laundry detergent commercial i will she watch has a death anything that <laughs> i will watch anything that that woman is in anything. so it it didn't even it didn't even matter but yeah i was very in case anybody didn't know that that's so, why i loved that vera farmiga was in the hawkeye series this is totally right and we also know she can do the accent from the departed yeah, so we know she can do the accent, which I don't really watch a lot of Marvel stuff anymore. Let's be real. But when Vera was in Hawkeye, I was just sitting around waiting for there to be a I movie. I didn't see Hawk. It's actually okay. I, I was sitting was around waiting for Vera and Florence to be in a movie together, and then I would just simply lose my ovaries. Same. It would. Ex they would explode. Yep. I'll be like, oh, well, great. That saved me from the hysterectomy. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving you my Yay! my uterus. <laughs> Thank you. As a sacrifice. I don't need it anyway, so I appreciate that. <laughs> it 
it was funny because neither day, one of us do. We don't need it. Don't need it. Literally, so. like two of my biggest celebrity crushes ever. Just them two. Oh my god, I can't. I fucking can't with either one of them. I need. It's gonna happen at some point. Oh, I'm sure. I, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. But you bet your ass, I'm gonna watch this movie. <laughs> I I believe in manifestation and yeah. Something's going to happen with those two being in a movie together. It will. It'll I'm happen. Sure. I'm waiting, honestly, at this point, Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone, I feel like, are going to be in a movie together soon. They're funny. I love them together. Emma Stone is hilarious. Emma Stone is fucking... Oh, my God. What was it? Somebody <laughs> Why was, was I like... doing that the other day? Oh, my God. Like, the first day this week where we finally had Sun. Tell me... And it was when I went I outside... Gotta... I, gotta, when I went outside I gotta, to check the mail and I didn't get a card, but I just straight up like opened the door on the subject. That song is on the list. Actually, anything Natasha Bedingfield has ever put out is on the list of white songs that make black people hyped. So I hope she knows that. I hope she knows that. That that song and feel the rain. Listen, black people, we will lose our fucking minds. Natasha Bedingfield comes on it's like unanimously black people just voted like yes and anything by Paramore and it's fun <laughs> I don't know what happened where black people just coveted Paramore but it was like the meeting commenced and we were just like Paramore is ours Yes, yes, vote yay, yay. Okay. Meeting I feel like it has to do with being super, super, it has a very to be. big ally. Well, you know, she, she did an interview where she talked about growing up in black communities, going to black churches, being influenced by black choirs and everything. And I mean, it just, and you were like, girl. I was going to say, Haley's such an ally for black people and LGBTQ. Like, how could you not love Paramore? Yeah. Love, love. Like, God, love. Paramore. Love it. Anyway, yes. So, um, it's Black History Month, so we just, you know, <laughs> exactly throwing it in there. <laughs> um, which we will be actually doing a couple episodes that will the be last towards... two weeks of this month, guys. We are two things uh, that we definitely want to talk about. One for sure that I that we I cannot believe we haven't talked about it. Um, the Lalaurie Mansion. The Haunted Lori Mansion in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. I cannot wait to talk about that. Um, that was on a Portals to Hell episode. Um, and then we are going to be watching and reviewing and talking about The Anger Girl and Her Monster. A black take on the Frankenstein story. Um, I cannot wait. When I first found out about this movie, I was so excited. So I cannot wait to talk about it and review it. But next week, because we are kind of backtracking um, with our episodes, I still am so shocked that we have never done an episode about this. And it is everywhere, guys. I know you're probably sick of it, but we got to talk about it. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. I was going to say, it's not Taylor Swift. Um, no. <laughs> even though she wants to meet Taylor Swift. Even, but you know what? I, I want to say something real quick, just because this has been out there. I really don't understand this newfound celebrity worship and celebrity pure hatred. 
I will never. And maybe this, this is just part getting. Maybe this is getting older. I think it's just every. It's just. It's just a weird. I think it's a lot of people that need to go hug a tree and touch grass. I think there's just too many people where something happened where the Mayan calendar shifted or something in 2020 or whenever where people literally lost their their whole entire, I don't even want to say their minds because at this point they lost mind, body, soul, and spirit. They just lost everything. And instead of going outside and touching grass and hugging a tree and getting some sunlight, they just went into their little dark black holes and got on the internet and just found their thing. And now that has become their existence. And I was the opposite being, I was the complete opposite. I used to be like, Oh that. yeah. And I, I, used, I did. And then I, I went used, the total other way. And then way, after and 2020, like, I flipped. Oh my God. I went I the like, other direction. Dude, I don't want anything to do with I was like, this. <laughs> I was like, I mean, you guys are cool and everything, but I got my own shit I got to deal with. Like it's I got. And, and, and I'm just using Taylor Swift as an example because that's the one that's like really been in the zeitgeist. I don't understand the obsession with somebody you don't know. And then the flip of the pure hatred of someone you don't know. It, that there's just something about that because I don't think that way because I do go outside and touch grass and hug trees. Um, it is actually very freeing to hug a tree. It really like, is. Genuine, actually it hug a tree. makes you feel so good. It does. And but your feet to physically touch grass because your you actual need to feet be grounded with the earth. I'm doing that when it's warm. It's still a little too cold outside. Um, the ground is still but a little too cold. But to piggyback off of to, what you said, yeah, it's insane. Why are people also worshiping, quote unquote, worshiping Gypsy Rose? It's this is getting out of it's. It's we're, weird. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but I think it's because of people not understanding the story, and I sympathize with this girl and i empathize with this girl but yes, i yes. also think she is very psychologically damaged mm -hmm. and if she is not undergoing some type of treatment for the rest of her life this could be very dangerous for her now i'm not saying it's there's going to be a re well obviously there can't be a repeat her mom was the one abusing her and her mom was dead but um she, coming out of her own mouth, she has said that she can be a liar like her mother, that she can be manipulative like her mother. She has admitted this herself. You have to think that is the number one person she was around her entire life. So that woman shaped everything about her on top of abusing her in ways that I couldn't even imagine to do to a stranger, let alone your own <laughs> child. Right. So... This worship that she started getting, I I thought again we're 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 missing we're missing the we're missing the message here, people. We're you're missing it. Everybody's everybody's missing the point. Mm -hmm. You know, go back and watch that documentary. Watch that HBO that that that's on Max. It should still be on Max. That was like that was how I'm sure that's how everybody originally found out about this story. Was that uh, mommy dead and dearest or something? Something I think, like that. I think that's what's. If you type in mommy on uh, HBO, I'm sure that's what the first, or Gypsy Rose or anything. 
that was the first initial documentary that I think that everybody saw that initially introduced them into what's going on. And I think it was really one of the first time, I mean, unless you were a Law and Order fan like me, that any of us became familiar with the Munchausen's by proxy thing. Because mm-hmm. it's not like there hadn't been cases of that before. That was the first time. But I, I heard that of it. was the first time that, like, well, I like I said, I know they had talked about it on Law and Order. I'm sure yeah. there had been some one of those criminal i watch all the criminal shows all so of i'm them. sure one of them mentioned it at some i point, think criminal minds but that, yes but this was like the first time where you're like oh my god what in the world did this woman do to her child but then when you go back like somebody explored and we'll talk about this the age difference between gypsy's mom and her father she basically groomed the father was a teenager this mom was in the mother was insane this yeah. this there's i don't i don't know and th- and listen this isn't just coming from us being biased this was her own this is her, Dee Dee's parents said this about her these were own family members that said this about this woman so you can't but we have to talk about this um it's just been everywhere in the news it's all over the place but um yeah, like I said, I'm shocked we had never talked about it. I'm just shocked that is just she's the getting the attention story. she's getting right now. It's attention that I don't understand. Like, yeah. now it's, it went from, like, worship to, like, people are, li- like, I don't understand which is worse. People blaming her and saying she should still be in prison or people that are, yes, queen, slay. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What? First of all, don't say yes, queen, slay. Because too soon. Um, like, funny. Could we not? Could you? Could you? Not again. Please don't do that. Please don't. The fact that y'all are literally like, yes, mommy slay. I'm like, what the fuck? You're like, you do realize she. Like, could we not? Could you? Could you not do that? <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, what is it? People don't know the shit. Half the shit that's coming out of their fucking mouth before it comes out of their that's, mouth. It, it's the world we live in. But it, it's just that and her. It's all of it. I, I just, I don't. I don't get it. I, I understand being young and maybe being like really into celebrities or whatever. Like in the 90s, it was every, like I'm a 90s kid. I went through we all, all had, of that. You we have all, all your posters. Had, oh, God. We all had posters. But now this is like, y'all, we were talking about 57-year-old men that like, literally want to see taylor swift get hit by a truck i'm like what is happening i don't i don't understand what's happening i am not a swifty by any means i like a lot of her songs though there are a lot of her songs that i i get why people relate to them there are songs I've been going through some personal things in my life. I started reading the lyrics in Karma. I'm like, yo, uh, she speaks to. I get it. I get why certain people, because there are certain songs that she has where it's like, like it just. But it, okay, but is she Whitney Houston? No. The fact that y'all are literally like comparing. Stop doing this too. Stop comparing artist to you can't even do that you could never compare taylor swift to whitney houston to whoever why would you even do that 
That doesn't make any fucking sense. Of course, she's not on the same caliber as a singer. Like, that's, but that, I, that is literally like comparing oranges and a rock. Like, I don't, I, I, Whitney Houston is here. Taylor Swift is here. Like, two completely different things. Both talented in their own right, but for you to even go there, like, I don't, that, that is, that is crazy. People just, please touch grass and hug a tree. I'm I, begging you all. I'm begging you all to touch grass and hug a tree. I am Please. at the point now where it's kind of hard this to is be called insane. A, I'm a Swifty. I've been a Swifty since I was 13. Years I feel old. bad because it's, it's. But I'm not, like, I'm not. I'm not one of those Swifties. I have no. I I don't. It's a hero worship that I will never. But see, not way, just her. I don't understand doing that to anybody that's what i that's why i that's yeah. why i flat out said i don't understand being obsessed with somebody you don't know and also in turn hating somebody that you don't know you see i understand that being obsessed with someone that you don't know because i was a child when i was a teen i all i had was dinner from lawrence it's not the truth, i understand but... teenagers doing it and i'm not listen i'm not talking yeah, no about i know you're I'm not talking about i'm just grown, saying like there are grandparents Somebody did a poll where one fifth of the country would vote for whoever she would tell them to. I'm like, come on now. What is happening? I thought you were going to say vote for her. No, whoever. If <laughs> like she vote would, for her for if president. If she would tell you to, if Taylor Swift would tell one fifth of the country to vote for Kermit the Frog, we'd go, okay, Taylor, I'll vote for Kermit. The fuck? See, this is what we're talking about cult leaders. Like, Obviously, a lot of y'all are going to end up in a cult. She is not Donald Trump. A lot of y'all are. She's not Jared Leto. But don't fall. Don't y'all don't don't fall into that TikTok rabbit hole. Jared Leto. Has that a cult. is an insane. Don't, don't even. That is insane. <laughs> That's why I had to put his name out there. I was like, he got a woo, and I started getting. I was well, like, he kind of looks a little bit like he Jason looks like a cult, but he flames, looks so. like a cult. Le- <laughs> He do. He do look at He's got the though. cult leader vibey vibes. Why is it J name? He's throwing off the ew. <gasps> Donald because it's their Donald because they're evil. Donald J Trump because they're evil because the J's are evil, evil. Okay, they are. They they're all evil. Apologies to any actually good J people. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure some of you are out there, but I've had, I have um, CPS, I have complex post-traumatic stress <laughs> disorder from many J names. So I have a, I have a bias and a prejudice against all of you. I'm sorry. I'm in therapy. I'm, I'm working. We're working. We're, we're, we're working, working through it. it. We're, we're working there. We're, we're getting there. <laughs> we're working on it. We're trying. The only J name that's safe is John. You know what? And for women, Jennifer. Why are that's, John's that's it? Why are John's safe? Why? Why are John's and Jennifer safe? Because in high school, John's, John's weren't fucking being prom king. I heard you, I it have was known Jason's some, I have known and Justin's very, and Jared's and Josh. And Josh. Josh. <laughs> there is not a single fucking person I'm, on this planet that has not been victimized known, by a Josh. I have known some very nice Johns. You're right. I, I, know, I, know. I said, I am so sorry. I am not 
a prostitute. I just said I know some very nice Johns and I forgot that was a swipe for pineapple. That's and what she said. <laughs> I just said, I literally said that. I was like, you know, I've got some very nice Johns. And then I went, <laughs> bitch, think about what you <laughs> fucking said. That's fucking funny. No! <laughs> For the record, I have done a lot in my life, um, but I have not like meatloaf. Um, I'm not doing that. Hannah is my so, friend. I'm not doing that. Anyway, so um, yeah, next week we're gonna talk about Gypsy Rose and um Mommy Dead and Dearest. Watch it on Max. And uh yeah. So of course you can find us all find you can find <laughs> us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I love what somebody said the other day. They were like, I'm not calling it X. I'm gonna dead name his fucking thing because he doesn't give a shit about anybody. So Twitter. And I was like I'm doing that. So Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at DFWTO Podcast. Um, handle DFWTO8493, or no, I'm sorry, DFWTO8811. And then if you want to email us or say hey or give us any podcast ideas, you can email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. And then, of course, we are on Podbean, Google Podcasts, which I know is going away, which we will be transitioning into that probably next month youtube um and then um so podbean i am sorry podbean itunes it's been spotify um spotify (laughs) jesus christ spotify um you can give us a follow and subscribe and you'll always know when we put new episodes out please keep leaving us uh we've been getting great reviews yeah so thank you. We appreciate it. We that. appreciate the support as always. Uh go check out our merch. Link is always posted in the description. Um so yeah, go check it out. I think that's everything. I think we got it. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. Um have a wonderful week and remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the original. original. Okay, bye. Carmen is my boyfriend. Karma <laughs> is a god. Karma is the breeze and the hair on the weekends. Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you maybe it's that for you? It's not. That's like one of the best lines in music history. Yes. Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you? It's not. Anyway, okay, bye. bye.